2: And now it's time to get to work.
1: Well, we have a special podcast. It's a joint combination of MHR Radio and Cover Two Broncos. And our guest is Joe Rolls. So we're going to be chatting Broncos. You've heard the MHR Radio podcast for the week, you'll hear Cover Two Broncos with Joe. But we decided let's just do a joint podcast, let's get everyone together. And talk Broncos. So, Joe, thanks for coming on and, and
2: chatting with us. I cannot remember the last time I was this optimistic about the Broncos. I think Peyton Manning was playing.
1: Well, that was like 10 years ago. Feels like 10
0: years
2: ago. I wasn't even alive then.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, you know what, though? I'll I'll echo that a little bit. There's When we talked about this the other day, Ian and I, there was a little bit of like, you know, this could go – okay like it was not like oh my god they're gonna be amazing but just the feeling of okayness kind of is washing over me in a in a weird sort of way which ends up being maybe not okay in the end I don't know we'll kind of examine that as we keep going here
1: in terms of the season and how you think it'll go Joe it obviously a lot of people hope it's a playoff team if you look at the various sports books they have the Broncos somewhere between eight and a half and nine wins. Where do you fall in line with how this season is going to end up? Are they going to be a playoff team? And how many wins do you think they're going to get in the regular season?
2: I think they are going to be a playoff team. And I have 11 kind of like in my thought, like, and I know that seems really optimistic and I will be honest. I normally, and people, you know, listening probably know this. I'm normally not very optimistic, but I mean, they have an easy schedule. Um, And again, you know, AFC West, not like, Withstanding, obviously, the Chiefs are still the Chiefs. But this Broncos roster, if they would have gotten Aaron Rodgers, and you and I have talked about this before, Ian, if they would have got Aaron Rodgers, they were probably one of the two or three best teams in football. Well, yeah, obviously they didn't get him, but I think we're sleeping on how good Teddy Bridgewater is. And I'm not saying he's gonna be, you know, a Hall of Famer, but like there's like this weird split. Like I've talked to, you know, I've talked to a lot of analytics people, I've talked to a lot of film people at this point. There's this weird split where people who have watched a lot of film of Teddy Bridgewater, he doesn't wow you. Like he's not going to be the guy. Like in in, in Broncos fans will probably be in this boat where it's like he's going to probably be too conservative for people to love him. But at the same time, when you go and look at the efficiency metrics later, and that's how you win games, he's efficient. Like he moves the ball, and the and the one big issue he had in Carolina is kind of mitigated with the Broncos roster his arm strength may be an issue around the red zone. But the thing is the Broncos were really, really good in power situations last year by football outsiders metrics. Like, so in short yardage and red zone area, the the Broncos run game is really good. And now they have Javante Williams and their line should be better.
0: Yeah. I kind of, I see where you're going with that. I like that you, you went, I think you went out on a limb there and said 11 wins. we were, I don't think we were that high on them. My positivity got me all the way to eight wins. Like that was, I was like all the way to eight. It's amazing. And that is. And I got them to nine, <laughs> but, I,
1: but I did throw out two games where they could potentially get to 11. And so I, I, I can see where it can, it can flip just based on a couple of games. And I, and I think it does come down to Teddy Bridgewater and I can, yeah. I get the excitement I've said on, on our podcast that, I don't mind boring. I would prefer a boring, steady Teddy than someone who's going to go out and dance when he completes a pass.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a nice way of saying that. I think boring is good right now, but if boring leads to wins, right? I think that's the other part of it. So I'm fine with Teddy being boring, right? Steady, Teddy two gloves is, is phenomenal. If steady, Teddy two gloves is winning football games, but if it's, Boring and losing, I'm losing interest in that because that's where we've been for a while now. And the excitement of Drew Locke and his dancing and his rapping and his, you know, Buzz Lightyear stuff and all of the rock star stuff. I remember the, was it the, which uh, website tweeted out that he was a rock star and that was the difference between him and all these other quarterbacks that they've had? Like, yikes. Who, I don't care if he's a rock star. I can't do the up and down. I want the steady, but I need the wins or I'm, I'm out. I'm out without wins because that's where all of us should be at this point with this team.
2: And I'm with you. And and that's like, I I'm at a point where, because I've been consistently in the camp where I think Teddy Bridgewater, I, th- I thought Teddy Bridgewater was going to win the competition as far back as, as soon as we realized Aaron Rodgers wasn't coming. And this isn't necessarily, again, I'm not saying that Teddy Bridgewater is going to light the house on fire and like, you know, lead us to the Pro Bowl, you know, all that stuff. But he's competent, and you look around him on offense, like, this 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 roster was basically waiting for a competent quarterback. Like, Case Keenum would probably look like a decent quarterback on this roster, as long as Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, KJ Hamler, Noah Fant, as long as these guys make the step that we expect them to, not even like a huge step, but just what we expect them to based on what we've seen of them so far, they just need a quarterback who can actually put the ball in their hands. And Teddy Bridgewater is that guy. And so at that point, then it's basically, can the line hold up? Can the defense stay healthy enough? And then can Shermer not shit the bed? And that last part is like a real question. Um, and, and I've been trying to get to the bottom of that. And again, like I am not Twitter does this, you know, you can't do nuance on Twitter. I come off as very high on Shermer because I don't hate on Schirmer, but I think he's a competent coordinator. Like, he, yes, he made Case Keenum look like a passable quarterback. He made Eli Manning, like the husk of Eli Manning, look like a passable quarterback. Daniel Jones had the best season of his career so far with Pat Shermer. Drew Locke is, like, kind of the outlier there. And, again, I'm not trying to say it's all Shermer, all Locke, all anything. But, like, Broncos fans base everything they – not all of them, but a lot of Broncos fans base a lot of their thoughts on Schirmer based on what happened last year but he's been in the league long enough that we can look beyond that and see he's been about an average coordinator. Well, you give him the kind of talent he has around him and a a quarterback, who's not going to be abysmal. We might have something. And again, if the defense is as good as we hope. And again, the whole question with Chubb is kind of hanging over that. But if the defense can kind of live up to what I hope for, they might make some noise. And that's where I'm at with it.
0: Chubb hanging over. I'm putting a check mark. That's fantastic. Chubb hanging over. I like that one. Uh, you know what I will, I'm going to actually sort of hit you with a counterpoint to your hanging Chubb. Um, oh I don't think his, <laughs> sorry, I don't think his injury is actually, if it's an injury, Like nobody knows, right. With, with Bradley Chubb, uh, hands in the air, who has any idea what's going on there? Nobody really cares. The, the fact that, the Broncos had as good a defense as they did in 2020 with no Von Miller on the field should make you realize how little they really need Bradley Chubb. Now I'm not dogging on Chubb because, I, I don't want to do that, but he,
1: you can't dog on a chub. You
0: can't dog on a chub. If you do, you it, it gets scratchy. Um, you, it, it, it doesn't really you need hurt it to them. Perform. You need
1: the chub to perform. You can't
0: dog on it. I, I guess the, the, the point, if I, if I can, if I can get to it is as long as, as long as the defense is as good as they were last year, I, I believe that the offense really is the only thing that needs to improve. And Bradley Chubb not being on the field every single week, every single down, it doesn't hurt them as much as some people might think. The only thing it really does, and this is the the worst part about football, especially when you're on a, a team that loses all the time, is it makes people reevaluate the draft pick. I think that's what ends up happening with the Bradley Chubb situation. The The more often he's injured, the less he's on the field, the more issues he faces, the, the more often you hear people who want to get all over Chubb for, <laughs> not being able to get on the field and being a bad pick, right? That was a bad draft or Elway pick. Elway
1: grabbing Chubb instead of Josh Allen.
0: Right, because because Josh Allen was there, but Elway couldn't resist Chubb. And
1: and
2: that's, you know, that that yeah, gets frustrating.
1: Chubb Chubb's can be you know.
2: So, are, are you insinuating that Elway blew it?
0: I am no. uh I I am not <laughs> insinuating that, uh but I am saying that there are several Sorry. people out there who believe that uh, Elway's over eagerness about Chubb uh, maybe limited his. Well, when you get to
1: Elway's age, when you get a Chubb, you you, you grab it. You you,
0: you got to take advantage of a Chubb when it's there, and I think we all understand that. Especially, well, we got Elway. off the rails on this. Wow, it did. What? How long was it? Five, we might six have minutes. Twenty. We didn't yeah. even get into ten minutes there, and we are gonna like, have to. We click are explicit. deep in Chubb.
2: <laughs> to your point, though, uh, and again, like. For, for those listening, because, again, not everybody keeps up with this stuff like I do, I, I don't care about raw stats normally. I don't keep up with, like, counting stats um, just because, like, the situations influence that a lot. Like, not to get, you know, too deep in the weeds on that, but, like, if your offense is dog shit, your defense is going to be on the field more often. So because of that, your defense will look worse by raw yards. So one of the reasons that that's one of the big reasons why I care about, like, efficiency stats, just because that kind of stuff, like, Football Outsiders does a good job of this where they measure how good you're doing in the situation you're in based around like league average all that stuff. Based on that, the Broncos without Von Miller last year were the 13th best defense in football. Um and again, that's, that's without that is incredible. And again, people think I I and again, this is like the whole Twitter thing. I don't think Vic Fangio is infallible as a head coach. Like I have big issues with how he manages the clock and I hope to god he fixes that this year. But in terms of defense, there is no doubt in my mind that he is one of the best defensive coaches in football. Um, he's one of the only defensive coaches who actually gave Pat Mahomes any problems. In that first Chiefs game, they went 0 for 8 on third down. Like, if Melvin Gordon and Drew Locke didn't shit their pants, that game is close. <laughs> but but no, and, and to your point, Adam, like I think losing Chubb, like if they didn't have him for the whole season. Would show up against like teams like Cleveland and like obviously the Chiefs, stuff like that. But the thing is, the NFL is probably taking it easy on Denver. And we have three games to start the season that are very winnable. Um, the New York Giants honestly may be the toughest of the three, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, they have the weakest quarterback by far, but like the rest of their roster is actually like somewhat capable if they're healthy. But then you look at the Jaguars and the Jets and like they both have rookie quarterbacks, but they're both probably going to be better than Daniel Jones. But they both have rookie quarterbacks because they had the first two picks in the draft. So the Bron- the Broncos should be able to get out of this, this starting stretch 2-1 and one if things don't fall out really badly.
0: So even losing if- Chubb, they won't shrink from the situation? They shouldn't.
1: Let, let, obviously, we hope they start 3-0. and As Broncos fans, that would be the ideal situation, especially with the games that follow those first three games, Baltimore's going to be tough. The Ravens, the Steelers, the chiefs twice. We'll get in uh, to me. The key of this, the, the whole key to the season is going to be the last three games, which are AFC West teams. But what if the Broncos don't start three and zero or two and one, what will that tell you about this team?
2: It depends how it happens to me. And again, like, Hot Take Radio is going to go really, really wild if the Broncos start, like, one and two, uh, no matter how good they look. Like, remember when the Broncos lost to the Bears, but they they actually looked pretty good, and they got robbed at the end because Mitch Trubisky somehow called that timeout with .1 seconds left? Like, I was upset in that game, and yeah, the defense definitely underperformed that game, but, like, I came out of that game thinking, like, this team is close to winning, like, those games. Obviously, Jacksonville came after that, and that, that was a shit show, but... Like if, if they end up having three close games and they win one, lose two, I'm going to be pretty, it hurts their playoff chances. There's no doubt about that because the rest of their schedule is going to be so much tougher. But at that point, like hot take radio at that point is going to say, start you lock. If Bridgewater looks good, but the defense isn't good because Chubb is hurt. I'm not like, I'm not quick. I don't think it's, I don't think lock was that close to Bridgewater in the preseason In all honesty, where it makes sense to pull Bridgewater, unless he looks bad, just because I think Bridgewater—and again, like this isn't me saying he's a world leader—I know I'm going to say that a hundred times, sorry—but he helps the rest of the offense, and that's like the secret underneath all this is like the fact that he wins pre-snap, the fact that he actually puts the ball in people's hands reliably, the fact that he can actually manage a pocket. Like one of the reasons why everybody's thought the Broncos' offensive line is bad for so long is because they've had quarterbacks that don't do anything to help them look better. Um, granted, also, there's also problems on the offensive line. But there's always problems on the offensive line. It's the NFL. No one has five good linemen. The Bronco, this, Broncos offensive line is actually probably one of the 15, 16 best in football. That's nice. That's good
0: to have. I, You know, it's interesting. I'll you, take it. Yeah, of course. You know, you bring up the the idea of, of what, what happens with, you know, Sure, sports talk radio, the Twitterverse, pe- people who uh, are following the Broncos and how um, how quickly things will turn on Teddy Bridgewater if they don't the go two and one, right, three and zero, oh, two and one, that kind of Broncos thing. Broncos Facebook, sure, which uh, Reddit, I don't know. Uh, there is there is that possibility that, and it's a distinct possibility that if they do not come out of these first through ga- three games with at least two wins there's going to be a big push for you might as well start Drew Locke. I mean, and I remember after the Minnesota game, everybody was, myself included, just just give it to Drew Locke and let's see what happens. And is I, to me, part of that is we know what Teddy Bridgewater is, and I think people wanted to figure out what Drew Locke was. Yeah. But for the coaching staff and for – the management who are quite frankly coaching for their jobs and managing for their jobs, I'm sure, maybe not George Payton as much as Vic Fangio, because George Payton just showed up, there's no reason for them to ever make that switch unless they are like one in five or maybe one in four. So you're looking at four or five games into the season before you're even going to have that consideration from Vic Fangio and his coaching staff. Is that to me, is that like is that really something that Broncos fans should be concerned with do they get to a point where they end up at one and four or one and five? And at that point, is it the quarterback that has to go or are you looking at moving on from the coaching staff?
2: I think if the coaching, if they open like one and five or Oh, and six, uh, it would not surprise me at that point. If Shermer ends up taking the interim head coaching job and I don't, and again, I'm not rooting for this by any means, but I mean, there's a reason sports books are putting Fangio as the first coach fired. Like, he he inherited the GM. The GM is not doesn't owe him anything. Uh and honestly if you're Peyton and the bottom falls out in the beginning of the year at that point if they're like 1 in 5, 1 and you know, that bad, maybe that's how you save face and keep heat off you for passing on a quarterback. I'm not saying I want that to happen cuz I think that does make Peyton look pretty bad too. But
1: what's the most likely scenario do you think? 2 and 1 or 3 and 0? Oh? Because I don't I think, think two, they're going to lose two games. I, I think they're at least going to start two and one. But what what's the most likely to you?
2: Two and one probably seems more realistic just because I think something will happen at some point. Like, it's the NFL. And again, I say this as somebody who's very confident in actually all three of those games. But all it takes is, like, first of all, like the fact that we don't have tape on Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson in the NFL, that's one of those advantages that helped Drew Locke against Houston two years ago. They didn't have any tape on him. You, you can go back to college, but it's a different game. And like, yeah, it's still football, but like the way spacing works, the way concepts work, like coaching stabs when you have to deal with a rookie quarterback with very limited tape is you're kind of just throwing what you can at him and hoping stuff works. And then you stick with it. But if this guy, if Trevor Lawrence is as good as we all think he is, and I, I know that I think he's going to be very good if Urban Meyer doesn't like suck. That could be a problem. Um, cause they do have some talent on Jacksonville around him. Zach Wilson's in a pretty good system for his talents. Um, and again, we'll have two games on him at that point. So like they could still throw stuff you didn't expect at you.
1: Before we get into the rest of the schedule, is this the year the Broncos finally in this ridiculous losing streak to the chiefs?
2: <sighs> That's tough. <sighs> I want to say, I want to like my, my heart says yes. My brain says No. Uh, I think this Chiefs team is going to be pretty good. Uh, I think the Chiefs, the fact that they have Willie Gay coming in from last year, uh, I think he's going to be a problem. I think their offensive line is going to be a huge issue for the Broncos defense. Uh, Just because the Andy Reid installed, like he brought in a bunch of guys who can run gap concepts. And that's actually one of the big weaknesses of Fangio's defense, the way he runs it. Just because Fangio plays too high, like with two safeties back, he wants you to run the ball. But if you can run the ball well with pulling guards, you suddenly have a guard going off against corners and safeties, which is what the Broncos did against Miami. The chiefs could essentially try and do something like that, which forces you to then bring somebody down into the box. But if you bring somebody in the box, then they have Tyreek Hill. So like it it creates that conundrum. And it was really smart of the chiefs to do that because now that they have Brandon Staley and Vic Fangio in division, Andy Reid went out and figured out a way to like combat that system.
1: Does that come? That's a, completely kick Adam off the show but does that combat Todd Bowles too because I a lot of people feel like that you mentioned Vic Fangio and the way he game planned and defense the Chiefs in two games last year does that also combat Todd Bowles and what he does because like I said a lot of people think that Vic Fangio gave the blueprint to stopping the Chiefs and and Pat Holmes and Andy Reid from Vic Fangio. So does that if they meet again in the playoffs, does that combat that element it of help.
2: it? It should help for sure. Cause just because the offensive line was such a problem in the Super Bowl, just because they didn't have any good tackles. Um and I I don't like I don't necessarily think it'll help in the same way, but I do think it'll help. Um the problem with the Staley defense and the Fangio defense is again, like both of them are designed with safeties deep, with the idea that they want to bait you into running the ball. Um, and with, when they were playing against the Chiefs last year, what they were doing is they were trying to make Pat Mahomes win by throwing five-yard passes 100 times with the idea that eventually you're going to miss. Like, any quarterback is not going to hit every single one of those. Uh, and, they, and again, the Broncos got a little bit lucky in the second game because Bradley Chubb got a pressure that stopped a touchdown to Hill. But if they can run the ball like that and they can just grind it down your throats, then you're going to have to bring somebody up. And that's a problem for Bulls. What that does is it gives you some answers to the blitz. Like you're not going to be able to blitz as much because they'll be able to punish you for it. Okay, so
0: I I think so. If, if we're looking at that realistically, I think the realistic answer to that is no, they're not going to beat the Chiefs this year. Which no, is, is sort of my statement as well. I, there's there are chances there. Like I always like to say, the football is is an oval. It's not going to bounce you know correctly. It's 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 not a basketball. It doesn't bounce true. So it makes sense that a lot of luck is involved and things, things will happen that you can't control, but in in a vacuum, there's no way that this Broncos team is there yet. They're, they're not going to compete with the chiefs in 2021. And I'm okay with that. I think I, I mean, I'm not okay with it, but I think I've sort of come to terms with that. The the next thing you have to do though, is you sort of ignore those, those two games because a, they, they play them in the winter time, which, you know, December in, in Kansas city is an impossible task. And I don't even want to talk about the last game of the season. The only shot they have there is if the Chiefs are I don't know, fourteen and one, right? Was my math good there? Probably not. Uh, fourteen
1: Six, and it'd have to be fifteen and one.
0: Whatever, fifteen and one, 14 and two. Who cares? And then I hate the fact like, that we now do have they to do this a, to me? a
1: game to math. I don't, <laughs> I don't like, like that. it.
0: I don't I'm not good at adding to seventeen. Sixteen was such a good number. But they rest everybody, and, and Denver's playing for a playoff spot. Ian mentioned that the last time we uh, you know, talked about this on our show, and it was one of those things where as, as long as everything falls into place and the ball bounces correctly and they get a, a timely scoop and score from Bradley Roby, which he doesn't even play for the Broncos anymore, then maybe Saints they beat them. Now. Yeah, Saints now. Look at that. So then you have to look at the rest of the schedule. And I guess my curiosity is how do they do against the AFC West, the Raiders and the Chargers, not just the chiefs because those are the teams they play the most this year.
2: I will be disappointed if they don't sweep the Raiders. Uh, because I think this Raiders team is basically Derek Carr, Darren Waller, and a, a lot of flotsam. Like they don't have, they, they have a young offensive line that might be good in a year or two, but they have a lot of young pieces. The defense is still bad. Um, the Ra- Gruden doesn't know how to build the defense and Mayock has not helped him. Uh, they might get lucky and be somewhat close to average, but they're still like, on paper, they should not beat the Broncos. Is um,
0: is Derek ahead. Carr a better quarterback than Teddy Bridgewater, though? I guess that's the other... I think so. Uh,
2: I, I think, and again, like, this is a weird... Like, we're in this weird sphere right now with Derek Carr because all of a sudden Derek Carr is so underrated that he's becoming overrated. <laughs> Uh, I think today (laughs) people were saying, people were saying he should, he belongs in like the elite quarterback tier, which is total crap. Um, Yeah. crap. But, but I don't think he's garbage. Like, I think he's, he's, uh, he's one of those guys that's probably hovering around like the 10 to 12th best quarterback. So like, if you give him some help, uh, he's good. But if he doesn't have a lot of help, he can't carry it. He's, he's that guy, but what he's good at, he's quite good at. He's very good at quick game, which is hard for the Broncos to deal with because the defense is built to allow some of that. And so he can live on it. Um, if you remember that, even the first year with Fangio, that was a problem. Um, but again, I, I think he's too conservative. I think if you start to hit him, he panics and he, he panics the whole game. Like it, it gets in his head. Um, actually Daniel Jones is like that too. Unrelated. I, I was just watching Daniel Jones and it's definitely noticeable. Um, but it's one of those things you have to get to him. The good news is the Raiders offensive line is now weak enough that that could happen. Um, And and I think Josh Jacobs is overrated. Josh Jacobs looks like a number one running back, but he doesn't perform like one.
0: You know, I drafted him in my fantasy. I appreciate that.
2: Sorry. That's okay. (laughs) But uh, you look at the receivers, like Henry Ruggs comes on. I think the Raiders offense could be kind of scary uh, just because Henry Ruggs does have that kind of speed. But last year showed some serious issues uh and brian edwards didn't do a lot and granted like coming out of training camp they're saying he's going to be to but until we see it like right now they don't really have receivers they have darren waller who might hold out we don't know yet uh he wants a new contract for sure um but then again you look at their defense like they they just signed kj right like that's their big that's their big guy on defense it's the guy they signed like a week ago, or like three days ago or something like that How about the Chargers? Their level. Chargers are a wild card, I think. Uh, I mean, her. I think Herbert's going to be legit, um, and that sucks because the Broncos are going to have at least the third best quarterback in the division for a while, um, unless they figure that out. And I'm not. I've talked to a few people. I'm not optimistic about the 2022 class. Uh, I mean, I hope you know. I hope, but I. It's kind of one of those things. Like you kind of hope Aaron Rodgers or Matt Ryan are coming next year because I don't think a rookie is going to save the day. Um. But so Herbert's going to probably be really good. I think he's going to come down to earth a little bit against pressure, but I think everything else is going to be better. And I think he's in a better system this year than he was last year, which sucks. Um, You look on defense though, and they have some questions. Uh, Brandon Staley's system. He will probably have to adjust it some to make the most of the talent on hand, just because they don't have the put like think of the Brandon Staley defense. Like the chargers defense is essentially like a a version of Fangio's. So it's going to be very similar. But then you look at Derwin James. Derwin James is essentially best as a strong safety. He's best around the box, around the second level of the defense. The Fangio defense normally has the safety playing on the third level. And Derwin James, that's why he fell in the draft, is because there was questions about how well he'd play that. On top of the injury questions, obviously, now. Their pass rush is basically Joey Bosa and... And then I like Asante we call Samuel, that a question too.
0: mark, right? Is that what that was, a question mark? <laughs>
2: <laughs> question mark? <laughs> I like Asante Samuel Jr. a lot, uh, the cornerback they drafted. Honestly, if if the Broncos would have drafted Justin Fields and Asante Samuel Jr. in the second round, I would have been really excited because I think Samuel Jr. is going to look like a franchise cornerback for Staley. You know, neither here nor there. Um, but then they got Murray it's easier on their... to find a franchise cornerback. It's true. Is it? <laughs> but then uh, they have they have a good linebacker in Murray. Like a, like a good talent in Murray, but he hasn't performed yet. He was a rookie last year. Um, Very athletic, sideline to sideline, but he was not good in coverage. So, like, they have some pieces that could come together. Their defensive tackle situation is kind of questionable. So, again, like, Staley's good enough that I think they might be around average. I don't think the defense is going to suddenly become good. And if the defense doesn't suddenly become good, the Broncos should be able to split those games.
0: Well, a split. So not even a sweep there. So sweep the Raiders split with the chargers and swept by the chiefs is the most realistic. So that's a three and three division. That's kind of what I
2: expect. And again, like if things go, if things go our way, like maybe they sweep the chargers too. Maybe they catch the chiefs resting somebody. I don't think like if the Broncos are four and one going into that end, I don't think the chiefs would rest starters. Like I think the chiefs would probably try and keep the Broncos out of the playoffs at that point. Rude. I know A bunch <laughs> of dicks. Who is the biggest
1: competition to the chiefs this season? Do you think let's diverge away from the Broncos schedule and, and what we think is going to happen in the games. Who who are the biggest, who are the biggest competitors to the chiefs in the AFC? Do you think?
2: I think the Ravens, I think the Ravens are going to be really good if they're healthy. I know they're dealing with injury issues at running back, but and like the receiver core is kind of banged up right now, but like, that defense is gonna be good. And that defense is gonna be scary. Uh I that's one of those things where like I'm really glad the Broncos are not starting Drew Locke, hopefully into that game. Just because the the Ravens like and again, like this isn't necessarily trying to bash on Drew Locke, but like the issues Drew Locke has, the Ravens are built to exploit that in a way that I think Teddy Bridgewater will be able to handle it better. Uh, but that game is probably like I could see the Broncos being 3 and 0 ending up on like the covers of Sports Illustrated and all that stuff going into that game because the Ravens will probably be like 2 and 1 or 3 and 0 and then that game could be like a rude wake up call if if that happens just because I do think there might be a tier difference between those two teams unless things go the Broncos way. I'm I'm kind of nervous about how Fangio is going to deal with a, cor- a running quarterback like Lamar Jackson. Uh just because we haven't we haven't seen it. We haven't seen Fangio have to deal with that kind of running threat um and the way the Broncos defense is built, like if you can get like Malik Reed reading him or trying to down block on him, like that could be a problem. He has issues with gap concepts and the Ravens run a lot of it.
0: So the Ravens are are your pick to challenge the Chiefs. What are your thoughts on – so so another team that sort of stands out to me, and obviously there's there's the Bills, there's, uh you know, like you said, the Ravens. The team that sort of stands out to me is the Titans – And you know, I'm like, I I've said a a couple of times now I'm high on Tannehill as being the dark horse for the MVP, uh, as, as being, uh, you know, sort of the, that outside team of, you know, with Derrick Henry running the football, uh, they've, they've got offensive weapons. They've got a solid defense. They, to me seem like maybe the team that is the most prepared to take on the chiefs and take on that challenge. That that's the direction I sort of lean. Do you do you see the Titans as a as a challenger or are they sort of a faker on that?
2: I don't think they're a faker. I just have a lot of questions about their defense. Uh, just because ever since they they lost Dean Pease two years ago, and their defense was built to kind of Dean Pease is one of those weird coordinators that he can make a pass rush out of anything. Uh, just because he sends corners, sends safety, sends like everybody. Uh, the Ravens do this too. Honestly, that's that's one of the reasons that the Ravens are scary to me. Rick
1: Martindale. Uh,
2: Yes, Um, but they're good at that. And again, like it's one of those things that like if you have a coordinator that does that and then you lose that guy, you feel it because you don't necessarily like the Ravens have a pass rush. But the the Titans didn't have a very good edge rush last year. And that's one of the reasons they fell off really hard on defense because Mike Vrabel didn't make up for the difference. And, And so I have questions about it now and I don't believe in Bud Dupree. But I think you're right on the offense. I think Tannehill, if Derrick Henry stays healthy, like Tannehill's gonna be in the running for the MVP because they're gonna have to score with people.
1: One team that gets thrown out by to me when I did a, a Broncos preview story, when I talked to a couple of the sportsbooks directors, they really think the Cleveland Browns are a team that can take that next step because of the way they performed last year, and it didn't go the way they wanted to in the playoffs, obviously but they think that experience will help. This team will help Baker Mayfield. What do you think about
2: the Browns and them potentially taking that next step this year? I like them a lot more than I know the analytics does. Uh, Football outsiders actually thinks they're going to be like a nine win team. And I don't think they're going to be that bad. I think they're going to probably be second in the uh, AFC North just because I think the Steelers are going to be down. Uh, I don't think Big Ben. I think big Ben is washed. Uh, I, like, I think we're going to see, like, zombie Peyton Manning out of Big Ben this year. Uh, but I think, I think the Browns, they have the offensive line. They have the pieces on defense to be quite good. At that point, the question is Joe Woods, who's their coordinator. Uh, but they have, again, they have the talent. And I think Baker Mayfield is, I don't think he's ever going to look like the best quarterback from that class anymore. But I do think he's, he could get in that, like, 10 to 12 ish range and i think that's good enough if the rest of the pieces around him are good and this is kind of their year because once they pay him it's gonna be a lot harder to keep that team together
0: browns taking the browns to the super bowl <laughs> i don't know i don't know unless, unless
2: they run to chubb oh yeah they have a chubb that they've can got bust their through. own
0: chubb that's right they've got their own chubb that can bust through that's uh that's you know chub on chub crime is is always a is always one that can be difficult but we don't have to worry about that for a little while we will hope hopefully we'll see two chubs on the field at one time but you never know
1: in terms of in terms of the NFC obviously the favorite is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers yeah. is there is there a team that you think that could potentially come out of nowhere I don't want to say come out of nowhere because when you look at especially the odds for the Super Bowl. It's Chiefs, Buccaneers, and then people drop off, and then obviously the Packers are there. But I think there is a team that could surprise people based on their new quarterback. And I think you've been getting hate mail over it. But what do you think of of a team that's out West that could potentially step up and force people to recognize that they they are a legitimate threat? And it helps to have – who I feel is the best player in all of football on the defensive side of the ball for them. But
2: if, if we're not talking about health, luck, like if we ignore like the questions about health that like are inevitable in a 17 game season, I think the Rams are going to surprise. I think Sean McVay finally has a quarterback that he can actually, he doesn't have to babysit. And I think the fact that Stafford has been able to be a competent quarterback without a lot of help, is going to make a huge difference. And the talent around him on offense is good enough to be, to put up some numbers. Like I think you and I mentioned this before, like you and I talked about this briefly. If I was betting on an MVP odd, I think I like his odds a lot um, just because I could see it. Like I can fathom it. Tannehill makes sense too though. Like they both do. But the the question with the Rams, and honestly, this is why I wouldn't pick the bucks either. Injury luck is not in their favor. Uh, I've I've looked into this a lot. And again, like, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds on it, but like generally when a team is really healthy one year, they tend to bounce towards average the next year. Like it's luck, you know, like that's just kind of how it works. If the coin flips six times and you get heads five times, you're probably not going to get heads five times again. And that's both the Rams and the, the Buccaneers, especially were very healthy last year. And the problem with the rate, uh, the Rams is they don't have a lot of depth. So like if they lose a couple pieces they feel it. Um, the Bucks' problem is that they have a forty, you know, forty-five year old quarterback, and they have literally they have Trask behind him, and Trask and uh, what's his face, the first round bus Gabbard. Like that's not you that's said, not ideal. Not you said Trask. I
0: thought you said trash, and you know what? It all works. <laughs> I heard Steve Tasker. I don't. I don't know where that came Steve from. Steve Tasker. Wow, that's a. This is an interesting. I wonder who who caught that reference. Which which listener? There's one of them. Which listener caught that reference? That's what I want to know. I
1: still have Chubb on the
2: line. I, I can't. How do I follow that? I don't I don't follow that. It wouldn't surprise me if Seattle kind of sneaks up on people this year, too, though, from the NFC. Uh just cause, and again, bar, you know, health luck and all that. But I think Russell Wilson is going to be about like 80 ish percent of what he was when we were all saying, let Russ cook. And then I think that defense is slightly better than they were last year. And their defense was hovering around league average.
0: So I think the NFC West is really interesting this year. Uh, I do question Seattle because of Russell Wilson, the way that he sort of fell off in the second half of the season. Is that more indicative of just the way the ball bounces in, in a football season? And, and he just, couldn't get things going after a while or was there something else behind that but when you look at the NFC West you've got question marks with the 49ers because you don't know what's going on at quarterback you I I think most of us believe Trey Lance will eventually take over the starting role I'd be curious to see how Kyle Shanahan chooses to ease him in Uh, I kind of envision an old school like, you know, have Jimmy Garoppolo drive him down the field and let Trey Lance finish, build his confidence kind of situation, which is things that we've seen in the past in San Francisco with Joe Montana and Steve DeBerg. Was it Steve DeBerg? That sounds right. I'm gonna run with it. And so there's there's that team. Then you have the Rams who we just talked about, who could be the challenger, not just for going to the Super Bowl, but potentially beating the Rams or beating the Chiefs in the Super Bowl if it's, you know, Rams, Chiefs. And then you've got you know, you've, you've got these question marks with Arizona and Kyler Murray and what is their move and how, how far have they come with Cliff Kingsbury? Does that division make you sort of scratch your head and think that's a really good division, but they're going to beat each other up to the point where one, one team's coming out of there and everybody else is going home.
2: I think it could be that, or I think they could have three wildcard teams. Like I got, like they they have probably top to bottom the best division in football, and probably the closest division. Like all all four teams, you could convince me any of those four teams are going to win it.
0: Go for it, Ian. Convince him one of those teams is going to win it. No, I'm just
1: huh. the, and then there's the team that Broncos fans are probably going to be watching with a fond eye because they've been told that this is going to be the last dance, similar to Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen in 1998. What? do you make of the Packers? Because I was told by Jay Carnegie at the Superbook, who is a huge Broncos fan, it's always interesting to talk to him because he wears the two hats of being a sportsbook director and then wearing a Broncos hat. So he obviously wants the Broncos to win, but not in a situation where it hurts the book, which is why it was such a great uh, scenario in Super Bowl 50 for him, because both won in that sense. Um, but what do you make of the Packers?
2: i and this might be the pessimist in me i am not going to count my chickens before they hatch on this uh at this point we're hearing all these things about how aaron Rodgers is making nice with the G, like with the gm how like they're, they're there's an open line of communication and all that stuff if they're as good as they hope it's going to be really hard for Rodgers to turn around and say nope get rid of me but he almost did it this year so like they're a wild card uh if I'm a Broncos fan, I'm not counting on Aaron Rodgers coming to save the day next year. It just, it, we don't know. There's too many wild cards. Like there's a better chance that Matt Ryan's available than Aaron Rodgers right now, because the thing is like the Packers didn't put it in writing that they were going to trade him. They, they basically, they, they negotiated the contract. So next year he's still under contract and they could trade him wherever they wanted. And the year after he would be free. The big thing with them is they, they are really, really over the cap next year. And they're going to have to, if they're going to keep him, they're going to have to renegotiate a lot of deals around him to keep it all together.
0: So the Packers are a team that to me seems like they're, they're going to fall off. And, and Ian and I have talked about this a little bit. Uh, and I, I think that's the sort of the consensus with a lot of, of the bookmakers is that this is a team that's kind of in turmoil and will see some drop off this year that doesn't precipitate necessarily Aaron Rodgers leaving the Packers. So uh, I think I'm in the same boat as you are. I'm not holding my breath for Aaron Rodgers. As someone who was as hyped as anybody about the potential of Aaron Rodgers being the quarterback of this Denver Broncos team, I, I just don't see it happening ever at this point. Like I'm not uh, – I because what are we waiting for at this point? What are the Denver Broncos really going to be able to accomplish by – Continuing to run Teddy Bridgewater out there if he's if he's good and if he's not good, you've got Drew Lock. I, I just I'm not seeing it. Nothing seems to be falling in place where you're going to get Hall of Fame quarterback Aaron Rodgers coming in to finish his career a la Peyton Manning.
2: The big concern I have with Aaron Rodgers next year versus this year is the roster was built to capitalize on an Aaron Rodgers run this season. Uh, they had Von Miller, Kareem Jackson, all these guys. Like, and I've talked about this before on Cover Two quite a bit like they had they have like i want to say like 30 players on one year contracts right now uh whereas next year probably von miller's gone and again like i'm not rooting for any of this but it's just realistic von miller's probably gone cream jackson's almost definitely gone melvin gordon's gone so like if you bring in aaron rodgers next year what are you building around him and how much how much better can he make what you have compared to this year like if the broncos had him this year they're a super bowl contender if they have him next year they're probably a playoff team which again like Considering where we are right now. <laughs> I that take that. Yes, please it. sign up. Yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not saying like don't do that. But George Payne, this is the guy who refused to trade Drew Locke for Matt Stafford. Like if he doesn't think Aaron Rodgers is gonna be the difference between them going in deep in the playoffs, he might not even pull the deal on a thirty eight year old quarterback. For now,
1: we have to deal with the Broncos hopefully in Joe's optimistic view being an eleven win team and being a playoff team. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com.
2: And as always, go Broncos.